As she walked into the Getty Center's conservation laboratory, with its sinks and fume hoods, Eva Blake smiled. On the sea of work tables lay centuries-old illuminated manuscripts, charts and scrolls, tattered and sprinkled with wormholes. All would be brought back to useful life. For her, conservation work was more than a profession. By restoring the old books, she was restoring herself. Eva's gaze swept the room. Three other conservators were already bent over their tables, lone islands of movement in the vast high-tech lab. She said a cheery hello and grabbed a smock. A slender woman of thirty years, she had an understated face. The cheekbones were good, the chin soft and round, the lips full, that resisted the sharp cut of classical beauty. Her red hair tumbled to her shoulders, and her eyes were cobalt blue. Today she wore an open-necked white blouse, white pencil skirt, and low-heeled white sandals. There was a sense of elegance about her, and a softness, a vulnerability she had learned to hide. She stopped at Peggy Dotty's workbench. Hi, Peggy. How's your new project? Peggy lifted her head, took a jeweler's loop from her eye, and quickly put on large, thick glasses. Hey there. Seneca's worrying me. I think I can definitely save Aristotle, but then he's the one who said happiness is a sort of action. So with that kind of Zen attitude, he's bound to last longer. Born and raised in England, Peggy was a gifted conservator and a long-time friend. Such a good friend that she had stayed close even after Eva had been charged with vehicular manslaughter in her husband's death. As she thought about him, Eva's throat tightened. She automatically touched the gold chain around her neck. Then she said, I always liked Aristotle. Me too. I'll see what I can do for Seneca. Poor guy. His toga's peeling like a banana. Peggy's brown hair was short and messy. Her eyeglasses were already sliding down her nose. An ex libris inside a pink heart was tattooed on her forearm. He's in good hands. Eva started to leave. Don't go yet. I'd sure like your help. The provenance on this piece sucks. Peggy indicated the colourful medieval chart spread out on her work table. I'm waiting for the results of the date test, but I'd love to know at least the century. Sure. Let's see what we can figure out. Eva pulled up a chair. The chart was about 14 inches wide and 20 inches long. At the bottom stood two figures in rope sandals and luminous blue togas. On the left was Aristotle, representing natural philosophy, and on the right was Seneca, moral philosophy. To all appearances, they were an unlikely pair. Aristotle was Greek, while Seneca was Roman, and born nearly 400 years later. Eva studied them a moment, then moved her gaze to medallions rising like clouds above their heads. Each medallion contained a pair of the men's opposing theories, a battle of ideas between two great classical thinkers. The chart's lettering was Cyrillic. The chart itself is written in Old Russian, Eva explained, but it's not the revised alphabet of Peter the Great, so it was probably made before 1700. She laid her finger along the right margin of the parchment, where small faded words were printed. This isn't Russian. Old or new. It's Greek. It translates as created under the hand of Maximus 
after cataloging the Royal Library. Peggy moved closer, staring down. I'm pretty sure Maximus is a Greek name, but which Royal Library? Russia or Greece? What city? Our chartmaker Maximus was born Michael Travoli in Greece and was later known as Maximus. When he moved to Russia, he was called Maxim. Does that give you enough information to know who he was? Peggy's small face lit up. Saint Maxim the Greek. He spent a long time in Moscow translating books, writing, and teaching. I remember studying him in an Eastern history course. And that gives you the answer to your question. Maxim arrived in Russia in 1518 and never left. He died about 40 years later. So your chart was made sometime in the first half of the 16th century in Russia.